Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You got a nice cup of coffee there? I've got a nice cup of coffee, yes. Oh, I'm going to crack open a a cold one. What? No, it's a... It's a San Pellegrino Arrangiata. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. The um, uh, just the standard, not the uh, the Rossa. No, well, from co-op, mate. I see. Yeah, I don't, I don't do posh. So, uh, um, yes, welcome to North v South, uh, the podcast that is and isn't about design, and this is episode one hundred and two. We're back. If you hadn't noticed, we were back last time. Uh, <laughs> did we, we have? Uh, did you get much mail about the last episode? No, none. I never get anything. No, that's outrageous. I think we're the least interactive podcast out there. Um, I'm not even sure if anyone's listening, but who cares, right? So uh, the way this works is we do a little bit of what's on our desk, which is kind of um, just to catch up, and then we do a bit of news, and then website of the week, then pies, then goodbyes. I like that. So, pies without further, pies. I know it came out. We should have a spin-off show, just uh, just a like a mashup of all the pie reviews, and just call it "Pies and Goodbyes." Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea, Rob. Right, what's on your desk, John? Well, a, a right old mess at the moment because I've been on holiday and I um, come back to just. Um, ridiculous amounts of work to do. So I'm rushing through loads of stuff. And Where have you been, John? I went to Tenerife. Tenerife. Oh, Tenerife. Larging up in Playa de las Americas. It was, <laughs> yes, it's an island um, in the Canarian archipelago, uh, which belongs to the Spanish government. And uh, I haven't been there for a long time, but I've been there lots and lots and lots because my uncle has lived there since mid 80s something like that a long time um and it's really i haven't been for about uh well for a long time maybe 10 years i don't know i couldn't couldn't confirm the last time i went there but it's really changed they've got a motorway now rob in what? tenerife they're really? planning to put the motorway all the way around they're it's going to be the longest tunnel in spain maybe something like that that's going to go underneath a large chunk of the uh, volcano I think tunnelling underneath a volcano sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> it sounds like an idea that Boris Johnson would come up with, wouldn't it, for a <laughs> yes. new train station? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but no, they're, they're going around the edge of it. But they are going through the bit, that the last bit that erupted, so um, which was in 1909, I'll have you know. Yeah. Maybe it's easy quite- to tunnel through lava. Yeah, maybe it's a bit softer. Mm. Uh, no, they've got one of those machines, you know, like the channel tunnel digging machines, and it's doing yeah. a metre a day. Off it goes, but the oh, yeah. the funny thing is that when you drive from where my uncle lived was, which is a village called Los Gigantes or Gigantes, excuse my accent, um, you sort of used to just wiggle up this long mountain road, um, and uh, and then slowly um, pass through the the forest that sort of surrounds the uh, the volcano at a certain height. But you get about three quarters of the way up, and then suddenly there's a dirty, great <laughs> motorway across wow. your going across your path. It's really high up. It's really, really disconcerting and odd. Um, but it's a it's a beautiful island. There was snow all over uh, the northern side of the volcano, so it was really striking. Um, I didn't get any photos because I was driving the world's worst hire car, 
they've got <laughs> they've got a higher higher cost situation out there where they've basically in during COVID, like because they had no um, uh, visitors to the island, they sold all of their cars off or scrapped them. And now that everyone's back, they've got a huge shortage, and so. Uh, Day rentals has gone from eight euros to over, I think it's 30 now. I mean, I got it for 20, 20 euros a day for to rent an absolute shit heap of a car. Um, so, yeah, they were saying, you know, and people were asking at the desks and they were saying, oh, it's going to be at least a month before we have any cars free. Blimey. Yeah. And you kind of think, well, actually, on a small island, you, you're entirely reliant on imports, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if they're not coming in. Um, then you're in trouble. I, I, I can't think of another story about that that would um, that would uh, be a good picture. No, anyway. So yeah. So there's. So I've come back to what have I come back to? Um, uh, well, r- miserable weather. Um, it's cold and it's wet and it's horrible. Um, appalling news in the world. I was thinking of just staying on the island. I think it might be safer. Yeah. Um, got a new got a new product for the we've launched yesterday day before yesterday yesterday i think um which is a pin badge we've made of one of rob's little spaceship drawings pretty exciting Uh, you don't yeah and um so i did some photos up up tady in the in the mists the martian (laughs) landscape yeah which uh kitty my daughter said was um was a sleeping dragon as we were going through it Um, she's very perceptive your daughter it was freezing up there absolutely freezing yeah um and uh, yeah, so come back to that. Been taking some photos. Uh, I've got loads of work on as well, and I've got a load of orders to get out. So, and I'm I'm away tomorrow in Newcastle. So, it's all a bit of a mad rush. Newcastle. Yes. Um, well, Tynemouth. Tyne Tynemouth. Yeah, that's a trek uh, for you. I know. I got a nosebleed. Um, oh. I don't do much traveling. I don't, I'm not a I'm not a traveling type. And. Um, yeah, I've got a friend's 50th birthday up there, so I'm flying from Southampton tomorrow. Okay. So it shouldn't be too too stressful. I hate flying as well. I'm like, um, I might be a Baracus. <laughs> That's the only way you're like B.A. Baracus, John. And my gold jewellery. <laughs> okay, yep, yep. That. <laughs> I mean, the Mohawk, to be honest, as well. I have got a bit of a mohawk at the moment. Um, uh, I've yeah, what I've, so yeah, I was taking some photos yesterday, and I was really I don't often do much studio shooting, um, but I've got a really nice little uh, setup, and I got a couple of little tiny lights. They're called the Pixel G1s. Um, if anyone wants any lights, I don't know why you would, but they're really cool. They're about. I'll hold it up to you, Rob. I can't see. I can't see my face. In the, it's like the size of an iPhone. Yeah, it's like the size of an iPhone, yeah. and um, it's uh, basically it's an LED light, but you can um, it's got multiple modes on it, so you can change the color, uh, the hue, the brightness. It's very cool. Weirdly, in, in the video, the the light itself just looks white throughout all those. Just the glow on your face is changing, <laughs> and um, yeah, you can set like an incandescent candle for your. Uh, for your sort cool. of, um, what was that film by uh, Kubrick where he did with natural candle? Oh, eyes, eyes wide shut? No, no. Uh, Barry Lydon. Barry Lydon. Yeah. Um, are they battery operated? They're you. They're um, USB charged. Okay. Yeah. So and they last about. Well, I was shooting for about four hours yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, and um, 
they didn't run out so cool. they're really really good and then i got like a lot i've got a, a lightning that goes a lightning cable that goes from my camera into my imac because i was sitting there going taking the card out you know plugging yep. it in downloading it was such a faff i thought there must be another way to do this and i found a tethering program hidden away on panasonic site uh-huh. so you, you can just live shoot and it just, and then i set up a, a a hot folder in lightroom and pulled the image in pulled the images in on the fly that's very clever yeah really really handy what else no that's that's about it really um what, what's on your desk well i mentioned last week i think my trip to iceland uh that i'm going i'm going taking my 75 year old dad to iceland for a couple of weeks um so I've been plotting all the places that I want to visit on Google Maps uh, and also on a real-life big paper map, which is very exciting. Um, I'm kind of trying to work out which bits I can do. So obviously I've got a huge list of things that I'd like to see and I'd like to go and photograph. Um, and then there's the available time we have. So it's just a matter of figuring out where when we're staying at certain places because that's all pre-booked and then kind of which bits which bits we can do so that but that's good that's good fun my dad started buying his kit you know he's bought some bought himself some walking boots yesterday and a new coat i've bought nothing apart from the map of iceland uh so that's that uh what am i working on i've got i've i mentioned last week i've got two video game jobs on doing some concept art and illustration for a couple of games that's still ongoing I'm doing some. I'm doing an illustration for a magazine. Might be a magazine that we mentioned in the last episode, which is very, very, exciting very cool drawing. I, I love the magazine, and I kind of when I got it, I thought I'd really like to do an illustration for this magazine. And the universe listened, and the editor got in touch. <laughs> so I've been working on the iPad mostly. So I've, I've really got used to drawing and working digitally now um like the last three or four jobs have all nearly all been digital do you have a like um presets that you use just a couple of pencils or pens or is it i pretty much just use the pencil tool on procreate and then for inking i use the technical pen and that's pretty much it and i occasionally um there's an ink bleed pen as well which is quite nice. Um, but I really haven't explored all the brushes in Procreate. Similarly, you know, when I used to draw in Photoshop, I didn't, I had no idea what all the brushes did in that. So I'm, you know, I'm still very much a beginner when it comes to digital stuff. I'm, I'm basically replicating what I, how I work yeah. traditionally. But. Well, that's all you want, isn't it? And the only adjustments mm. I've got is I like, um, yeah, you don't want too much variant on on a line for me, I don't want too much variance and I want quite a heavy sort of six B sharp yeah. pencil. And that's exactly. about it. I, that's all actually, I use. <laughs> I, I swap between the technical pen, which does have some variance and the calligraphy monoline pen, which has yeah. none. Yeah. <clears throat> so I tend to use that for what, well, if I want a consistent outline on something, I tend to swap to that. Um, but yeah, I'm and- really enjoying it. And do you have you changed the tip of your pencil? Have you got one of those weird Dutch rubber things? 
<laughs> I haven't. Have you seen you those? Sure they're always on. Yeah, they're from Holland. What are they called? I don't know, but they're like you can get different coloured ones. I would have thought you'd had an orange, orange tip on the end of your sh- on. <laughs> Wondered <laughs> where you're going with that, then, John? No, I haven't. But I do. Uh, I'll just hold this up to the camera. I do put orange uh, erasers on my Blackwing pencils. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually, I ordered a box of Blackwing pencils this week, and it came, and they're very expensive. And you get a box of twelve, and there was fifteen pencils in it. Bargain. I know. Are they the orange the ones? Uh, no, they are the, what are they called? Uh, they are, uh, Blackwing matte. So they're just matte black, but they're the, the blacker, softer lead compared to the 602s, which are the kind of standard ones. Yes. So while I've been working this week, I have been watching a lot of Florian Gadsby's, uh, YouTube videos. Um, who, Did you have a chance is, to have a gander? Oh, is he a cer- ceramicist? Is he it? is a ceramicist, Jonathan, yeah. yes. Or a potter, as we like to call him. All right. Uh, <laughs> yes, he, he appeared on uh, the great pottery throwdown, right. doing some rude-looking things with jug handles. Um, but his has got one of those video uh, YouTube channels that's just really sort of meditative. He talks you through his process. And it's very repetitive, and all these videos are kind of the same because the process is the same for most things. It's beautifully shot, and it's just incredibly relaxing. And then you can obviously kind of dip in and out as you want and um, just marvel at his uh, skill. He's got a real, probably quite unique business model in that he built up quite a following on Instagram before he ever sold any work. So he had 60,000 followers, I think. Um, while he was an apprentice with another potter and used to film him doing stuff. And then he had his first sale and he sold that in two or three minutes. And now he has sales three or four times a year where he spends, you know, three three or four months building up a stock of items, five or 600 items. And they sell out on his website in 10 minutes. (laughs) And I'm thinking... Okay, his mugs are 70 quid, so he's maybe probably making 40 or 50 grand per sale. And he does that three or four times a year. That's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, not bad. Uh, plus, he said his, his income from YouTube advertising pays for all his studio costs. Well, it's funny. Yeah, because how, how many how many followers, how many subscribers oh, has he got? Few hundred thousand, I think. Oh right, yeah, because because he's like Edmund Duval as well. I looked at buying some of his ceramics. You know, the guy who wrote the was it the hair with the amber eyes about the well that rings a bell. Yeah, about those. Um, his was it his grand great grandfather's collection of um, Japanese. Uh, uh, Netsuki. Yeah, Netsuki. Netsuki? Netsuki or Netsuki, yeah, one Netsuki. or the other. Yeah, because he's a ceramicist as well. And his stuff goes for hundreds and hundreds of pounds for a plate. Hmm. But there's something yeah. very uh, relaxing about that process, isn't there? Yes. So I've been obsessing over um, pottery videos this week, really. That's very uh, relaxing. Because well, I've been, I, I sort of started watching quite a lot of YouTube, even in the evenings. <laughs> like when Jess goes to bed, I watched like um, 
Well, there's all sorts Are you of sure you want ones. to put this out there? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. Well, in, in a geeky way, yeah. Um, and they're mainly sort of uh, like <laughs> like gaming ones, like tabletop gaming and Warhammer ones. Really? Um, yeah, there's a guy called, and this is weird. It's a weird connection back to um, the magazine we were talking about before because he, uh, there's this guy called, um, I think he's called Arbiter, Ian Arbiter, Arbiter Ian. So an Arbiter in uh, Warhammer 40,000, if you don't, of course you don't know, is uh, is a police person. And uh, you can build an army out of them if you're feeling... particularly uh sort of fascistic about your uh your armies oh in fact they all are aren't they all of the yeah. the armies in 40k but um he does the occasional book review from the black library which is um games workshops um publishing arm and one of his guests on there who's been reviewing it is a lady um and her name is uh mira manga uh, I don't know if that's a real <laughs> real surname, but um, she's the editor. She writes for um, Weird Science magazine, and oh, she's okay. an editor of a really cool-looking magazine that's an online one called 28 Mag. Have you heard of that? I have not. Um, and that's a, that's a sort of a uh, like a, a gaming magazine, but it's online. Um, so I was gonna I'm gonna check that one out. And they got some really nice T-shirts and things. That was a segue, wasn't it? But I've been watching his ones. And what he does is he talks about old, really old history and lore of of Warhammer 40,000, going all the way back to the early 80s, you know, a White Dwarf magazine, short stories. Niche. That is very niche. As He had a video posted last week, I think, um, talking very honestly about how much money he was making from it because he he got so many you know he got a certain amount of visitors during lockdown because people yeah. were watching loads of youtube and even he was earning in one one week he got i think it was like 300 quid in a week but he's on average he's averaging 100 quid a week on something mm-hmm. really really super niche um, yeah i mean it did make me think listening to florian gadsby talk about it you know it's definitely an avenue i think i want to explore because you know, my commercial work is just a tiny proportion of my income. You know, the things that makes me money is, you know, like the book and prints and commissions. So, you know, I I, I think I really need to expand on that. You know, I need and to be making stuff other, and talking about it. Yeah, well, the other thing is that he was saying is that he, he pre-plans all of his videos and some of them are really, really uh, complicated to do because he's got mm-hmm. maps and, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. But he says the one, the easier ones to do are the book reviews. And, and he said, you know, people who are doing streaming, live painting or things like that, then yeah. they really are creating content and you have to create regular content at the same time every week. Yeah. Otherwise, the algorithm like a- doesn't reward you. Yeah, and you're, you're going to lose uh, viewers, aren't you? You know, if people yeah. are going to expect you to be doing a, a painting stream at seven o'clock five times yeah. a week. But if you're just streaming your actual working day, and you know, for a couple of hours a day, and you mm. know that you're going to you're going to work during there, then it's a no brainer, isn't it? If, if yeah. it's going to make you money, all you've got to yeah, do absolutely. is, I think, once you get a certain amount of followers, it, it offers you the chance to monetize it. And then yeah. I'll send you I'll send you the link to his video because cool. it's really interesting. But yeah, and you um and then you have to just fill in a f- couple of tax forms and stuff and away, and away yeah. you go. I think my YouTube channel only has 212 uh, subscribers, so it'll be a while before I'm monetizing that. Mine hasn't got any. Have you got one? <laughs> well, I've got an element uh, one under my own name, but um, yeah, okay. there's only one video on there. Oh yeah, the other, the other, another relaxing YouTube thing is my uncle recommended to me, and um, 
I had a look at it. It's really cool. Is this guy? His name is John Rogers, and he is. He just does walks around bits of England, and his his site his uh, his channel is called Adventures in the Overlooked City. So they're generally London, and he just walks and chats, and they're really yeah. really cool. They're and it's really relaxing. I'd love that kind of video. Yeah, I follow a lot of photographers and, you know, a lot of the time it's them going out and walking and it's as much about that as it is about the photography. And oh, yeah, you like, recommended it's, it's, James Popsis, wasn't it? Was yeah, it yeah. James Popsis? Yeah. Super relaxing. Yeah. And it's it's kind of nice, you know, you do get a, a sort of a feeling of being out there with them. Yeah. Ju- Julia Elliott um, is, a bi- is a bicyclist. And she, she does it as well, but, um, she's more sort of about the fitness side of things, but, um, mm. she's equally interesting, uh, yeah. you know, riding in all sorts of weird and wonderful places. Cool. But yeah, that, um, the, the Mr. Rogers, what was it? What's his name again? Yeah. John Rogers. John Rogers. That was lovely. I had a quick look at that before we came on air. Yeah. Very nice. Right up my alley. There really is a new a new of form of like cons- it's so so different, isn't it? Now we we've yeah. got so much choice of of consuming media, um, and unfortunately, uh, media uh, is in is at the forefront again. Um, there's a new podcast that uh, I haven't I've listened to the beginning of it. Um, it's called The Rest Is Politics. I think it's the sort of sister or brother to The Rest Is History, which was okay. is a podcast that I love. Um, but this one's got Alistair Campbell and Rory Stewart. So they're, okay. it's a bit of a North V South, <laughs> although we never <laughs> argue. Um, but they're both uh, Scots without accents, yeah, aren't they? Uh, or Scottish accents anyway. But um, very interesting chat on um, Putin. And because Alistair Campbell obviously met Putin a few times. Mm. So really good insight into what a psychopath and he is. Yeah, we don't use the the beep. But really. um, uh, what? And are you listening to anything at all? Or uh, I'm not. I I just finished listening to the final episodes of the Lovecraft um, podcasts. Oh yeah, that you recommended to me, um, which kind of freaked me out about how much of the actual Lovecraftian stuff I'd kind of sucked into my brain without realizing it having never read any lovecraft um it's uncanny like, it is really weird and it made me think i really need to change this because people are just gonna think i copied it <laughs> um but yeah so that was but that was brilliant but no i'm not listening to anything else at the minute it's just been potters uh i've got a couple of albums uh one yeah. is the best the best titled album from not just last year many years the badger it's called badgers of wimeswold and it's by a band called the surfing magazines and even the cover is absolutely awesome it is isn't it what yeah. uh, what manner of music is this jonathan um they are normally well they're two they're half of them are from a band called wave pictures who are a kind of indie punk um but this is more indie like pop indie pop mm-hmm. i'd call it classic english uh, slightly sarcastic Bit Smithsy, yeah, in, indie pop. Um, okay. And speaking of indie, uh, there's a- Angry Northern Indie is back. I don't, did I speak about this band last? I don't last think episode? so. I might have to cut it. They're called uh, Yard Act, and the album is called Overload. Um, they're a big thing, apparently. It, apparently, even Elton John likes them. 
Uh, but I don't know if that's that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, it, so uh, it doesn't of, ring a bell. That angry uh, political northern indie. I okay. welcome. I welcome it back in with with a big cuddle. <laughs> I'm just going to throw something in my links because I have been listening to something um, for quite a while now, and it's not a new album. Um, Hannah Peel is a, a British artist. She's nominated for the Mercury Award last year, I think, maybe. And it's kind of synth stuff, but she's got an album, which isn't really my thing, but she's got an album called Mary Cassio, Journey to Cassiopeia. And it's synths and brass band. And that really is right up my alley. And it's well worth listening. Yeah, I've heard of her, her stuff. Yeah. And it's she's an interesting artist, artiste. Mm. Um, and today, Rob, is uh, World Book Day. Did you know that? Uh, <laughs> so my, my sister, uh, my sister, my daughter is um, is going off to school tomorrow dressed as Hermione Granger. Why she's Perfect. not doing it today, I don't know, but that's schools for you. They never do things as you expect them to do. Um, and I was wondering who you would be, because um, I'm Ooh. I'm Richard Sharp uh, after a of discussion at the breakfast table this morning. Um, but I could also <laughs> be Utrecht and I could also be Ibrahim Gaunt because um, they're essentially the same character. A sort are of ne'er-do-well leader are of the, fighting are they men. All different authors, or are they all Cornwell? Cornwall are the first two. The third one is Dan Abnett. Uh, oh, okay. He's a comic book writer. Yeah. Who would I be? Well, I was just having a thing. I was just looking at my bookshelves, and I don't know. There's there's probably one character in sci-fi books that I always really enjoyed reading, uh, which is a character called Aitken Drum, I think, from Julian May's Many Coloured Land series. And he was a sort of anti-establishment troublemaker who became a sort of hero in these sci-fi books. And he was so well-written and was such a good character that I've always kind of liked him. So maybe him. And I think he was a redhead, like me. So that helps. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, and uh, Jessica, my wife, was Calypso from Chamomile Lawn uh, by Mary Wesley. Oh, okay. I only know that as a there's like a TV miniseries, wasn't there? Yeah, a very good one. Um, but it's a it's one of my favourite books actually. It's brilliant, Ooh. really well worth reading in today's yeah. climate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, uh, that's all the things on our desks. It was quite um, quite a lot of stuff. Um, it was. Yeah. Uh, news. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you start? I mean, you know. No one is coming to this uh, podcast for either in-depth political analysis or, I don't know, historical analysis of current conflicts. But, you know, Ukraine is on everyone's minds at the minute because it's so horrific what's happening over there. Um, And I can't add anything to the the discourse about it except that Putin's a And I think social media for me has been... Uh, it's been good for keeping up to speed with what's going on. If you kind of uh, a bit careful about your sources and don't necessarily believe everything that you see, um, the whole thing, did you see the whole thing about the Snake Island sailors that became like a real talking point right at the beginning? The Russian warship, fuck you thing. Yeah. Was that while you were away? 
Yeah, but I, I, I saw it, yeah. And now it turns out that actually the sailors are all alive, which is brilliant. But that kind of whole narrative of these kind of heroic sailors uh, sticking two fingers up and, you know, martyring themselves at the wrong end of Russian guns was, turns out to be untrue. And that kind of whole rallying thing about you know, Putin, fuck you, and Russian warship, fuck you, and everything that became quite a, a rallying cry. Does that is that still valid? I think it is. I think it's a brilliant rallying rallying cry, really. But um, it just shows you have to kind of be careful about the sources you listen to and realise that what is it they say about war? Is it the truth is the first victim of war? All right, there's a saying, well, isn't there? Something like that, isn't it? Um, but it had, social media has been a good place to to get info, and it's been a good place to kind of. Um, support people so obviously there's loads of different ways you can support the humanitarian crisis in ukraine there's lots of appeals from the disasters emergency committee and unicef and amnesty Um, but you can also support ukrainian people i've followed quite a few ukrainian artists on twitter and it's it's really easy to you know buy something from their shop i think if you are going to support artists like that buy something digitally so they don't have to go to the post office. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, you can, you can help, it, you know, it's never going to be enough, but um, you can help. Uh, you know, I'm going to be giving any profits I make from uh, Ellie press sales for the next month or so. I'll give to, I haven't committed to a one single charity at the moment. I, I'm still sort of reading about what's the, you know, which is the best way to, mm. to, to get the money out there. But yeah, all, I'll just be sticking all that money away. And we've also, we've got spare rooms here. And if anybody does need anything, get in touch with me um, or just somewhere to stay. I mean, unfortunately, our government, they, they just follow this this really selfish, grim tread towards the past. Uh, and part of that is this ridiculous immigration policy whereby we're now blaming the fact that there's a Shenzhen zone within Europe that is helping Ukrainian refugees and we can't do anything we can't let people in because we're not part of that anymore and this argument that they keep coming up with counter arguing against what they tried to get us to believe in five years ago just doesn't make any sense to me but surely surely the home office can just release just allow Ukrainians I mean somebody said to me oh well they've let 4,000 people in there's a million people in transit in Europe now. And that's yep. just in the first week. This thing's going to yep. go on for months and years. And we need to make a big, big change. In, in even the when they do let the people world. in, even when they do let people in, they drag their feet and they do everything they can to to make it difficult for them. You know, they did let 4,000 people in from Afghanistan when we um, exited Kabul. And only like less than 10 I think of those people have had their applications for permanent asylum processed. Yeah. There's 4,000 of them in temporary accommodation, not able to work. It's just insane. Our government is, yeah, just nuts. It's embarrassing. It's really it embarrassing. It, um, you know, between Brexit and corruption and uh, our um, reaction to this, it's just, you know, it does make you ashamed to be British. Yeah, no, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed and angry and embarrassed. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants to uh, give a, give up for a good cause, then go and uh, buy some prints, uh, support some artists, and also, um, I'll, yeah, I'll, it's a hundred percent of whatever profit I make uh, will be going to um, to help uh, Ukraine Ukrainian um, people. Also, uh, you can there's loads of artists communities. Um, Everpress uh, the t-shirt makers they've got their they've got a whole series of uh support ukraine t- uh, designs going out and they're giving money for each one sold so um you know you can go onto their site and have a look and there's there's tons there's tons of people trying to to help and support uh despite our government's attempt to close ourselves off from the world and not help yeah. so yeah i think you know people are good and um in general <laughs> um i just wish that the, the world was a happy place it just seems to be we're spiraling into an awful an awful future um mm. something that i dreaded when i was a kid um and and moving from that to uh, another sense of dread um 19th of march is client day <laughs> i i clicked on that link is it I international client day or British? I assume so. I'm just I'm just looking for the link again because I clicked on that official client's day website. It does look uh, international. Should be a day when we can express gratitude for, to our customers, and that's a lovely sentiment. But I mean, my comment was just sweet Jesus. Do we need that? What sort of company is going to get involved in that? I don't know. I, uh, there's been quite a. Um, uh, creative boom um katie cowan has been tweeting a few things about clients you know what you know how the best way to work with them um different ideas for dealing with uh with feedback and all that kind of stuff which is all very useful business business stuff but do we really need a day where we need to thank our customers for things we're doing for them i mean do we have i, know. I, <laughs> I don't know it's continual it's a relationship, isn't it? It's a two-way relationship. It's exactly. not a one-way relationship. And, uh, well, it, and it kind of reeks of serfdom. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we must we must tug our forelock because they've given us they've given us money in return oh, yeah. for allowing us to be artistic and creative for them. It's very very odd. So I will not be celebrating the nineteenth of March as Client Day. Um, no. But obviously, uh, thank you to all clients. <laughs> Past and present, obviously, and future, oh, yeah. uh, for for uh, you know for for letting letting me live. And I've also been listening to um, uh, Atomic Hobo. Have you ever listened to this podcast? I haven't. So a lady called Julie McDowell uh, has a weekly podcast, and she's obsessed with the. Um, I can I, I think I can say obsessed with the the film or TV series that was called Threads. I think we've discussed oh, it before yes, about a nuclear explosion above Sheffield and mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the results from it in sort of 1983 or so, wasn't it? Yeah. The whole podcast isn't about threads, is it? A lot of it is, but it's also about um, she goes to visit old bunkers and talks to people oh, okay. who were involved in the uh, in sort of how um, the public respond would respond during an, an explosion. What uh, it's like scratching an itch that you don't want to scratch, but it's. Um, it's fascinating wormhole to go down, but yeah. it's uh, it's really dark. Um, it's interesting. She's yeah, she talks about books and film and all sorts of things. It's a good podcast. It's interesting. Oh, cool. Atomic hobo. I'll maybe give that a listen if my constitution can stomach it at the minute or my psyche. Yeah. Just uh, got a couple of bits of news. Blackwell's bookstores have been bought by Waterstones. Right. Haven't they bought loads of others? 
Well, Waterstones bought Foils. Okay. And now they've bought Blackwells. So that's the three biggest UK bookshops. But actually, they've all just been bought by a US hedge fund manager um, called Elliott Investment, which owns all of them and also owns the US's biggest book chain, Barnes & Noble. Um, And I was just thinking, is this like the only way that you can fight Amazon? Tim Blackwell, I think it's Tim Blackwell, isn't it? Um, We're saying this is a really good thing for Blackwells because it means the the brand will, will remain and it means there's a bit of diversity on the high street. But, you know, Waterstones have got 250, 300 shops, I think, and Blackwells have got 18. So it's not. You know, it's only diverse in a very small number of places. Um, but I don't know. Is there another way to fight Amazon? Well, there's another there's another book. business, isn't there, called book, bookshop.org that was launched at the beginning of uh, lockdown. Yeah, um, which and they've had bad press, haven't they? About yeah, not giving, so basically they're, really... they, they're like a shop front for multiple independent stores, aren't they? And they take yeah. a cut of that the sales from those independent bookshops. Yeah, um, I have to say though, the I mean, bookshops are wonderful places as are libraries, and I love going to them. Um, I don't buy a huge amount of books from bookshops anymore because I live miles away from a, book, a mm. bookshop. The only bookshop near to me is Waterstones, which is fine. And I, and I do try and go in there and buy um, books from time to time. Um, but the problem with their online offering is that it's just not as convenient as, <laughs> as Amazon. If you buy a book from Waterstones, um, I bought some before Christmas. They didn't arrive until I think it was after Christmas, even though they were in in store. Um, I could have just yeah. driven down there and picked them up because their their distribution system isn't as efficient. Now, yeah. is that? I mean, obviously, that's just me being an impatient um, first world problemer. But if they're not giving you anything more than a book at the end of the day, what's the difference? Um, yeah. Is it more? Is it more money to the author? Is it more money to the publishing house? Has the publishing house always traditionally scraped all the money away from the author? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know enough about it to uh, to make any sense of it. You know, and and the fact that they're all now these are all the, all the big chains are now owned by hedge funds. I mean, it's all very well prioritizing them over Amazon, but you know, you're you're helping get returns for the people who invest in a hedge fund, aren't you, as yeah. much as anything? It's, you yeah. know, are they any better than Amazon in the bigger picture? I mean, Twickenham used to have an independent bookshop and sadly that closed about, I don't know, six years ago. Um, I can't think of a single independent bookshop back in York. I mean, how do you how how do you make money running a bookshop? I don't know. It's oh, depressing. Sad times, sad times. Have you got any good news? Uh No. Um, oh, the Ip, well, that I, might, you might like that, actually. The Ipcrest file is coming to TV. Yeah, what? what? A, a TV series. Okay, made by? Yeah. Uh, I think it's ITV. Right. Um, Peaky Blinders star, which I haven't seen, uh, plays Harry Palmer. Um, All right. I didn't, I don't, I haven't read the Ipcrest file, so I only remember it from the um, Michael Caine film. But I didn't realise... Well, according to this, he's like a, a bit of a ne'er-do-well, Harry Palmer, who gets brought into the spy scene because he's a bit of a 
I don't know. Bit of a dodgy, dodgy geezer, a smuggler, and a what have you. Is that your memory of Harry Palmer? No, and I wrote in my dissertation on Harry Palmer. No, he's 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 a working class lad hmm. um, who's from the army, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's he, and he brushes up against. Uh, he's a bit of a Richard Sharp, really. He brushes yeah. up against. Um, against authority quite a lot but yeah he's very much a man of the 1950s 1960s a modern young man um against a sort of a backdrop of this kind of like chess you know old men in tweed suits playing chess with uh with spies on the ground yeah um might be quite interested i don't think he's he's definitely not been in He's not been in prison. I don't think. I don't remember that that he's been in prison. I mean, he's yeah, he's always in trouble. Yeah, I I think he looks the part, doesn't he? I just yeah, he does. I might give that a watch. And the other big TV series news uh, on the back. Did you watch any of Apple? Do you have Apple TV? I think I've run out. I didn't watch enough. So, did you watch any of Foundation? No. No. Is is that Asimov? Yeah. Yeah. Is it it any good? Um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely incredible, I thought. Um, It's beautifully made, really interesting. No, I I can't remember, um, because it's donkey's years since I've read Foundation, how closely it sticks to any other story, but it was very good. But Apple are now doing a TV series of Metropolis, the Fritz Lang 1930 (laughs) film. Really? ITV? Apple TV? Apple. Apple, yeah. Okay. Again, I've got I've got issues with Apple making TV programs. I don't know why they're so. I don't know they're just a bit strange, aren't they? Um, uh, I've got one other thing, uh, <laughs> which is we've heard of Big Pharma, and you know, kind of these big corporations that kind of inveigle their ways into our lives. Is there a thing called big microfiber cloth manufacturers? <laughs> what? Because everything I buy these days comes with a microfiber cloth. Does it? Yes, my like microphone. What? My microphone yeah. came with a microfiber cloth. Yeah, I don't know why. Wow. There's nothing to polish. No. Uh, my my hard drive came with a microfiber cloth. I bought a USB hub that came with a microfiber cloth. Oh. Obviously, you know, Apple Watch came with one. What else did I buy the other day that came with one? I can't remember. It's just ridiculous. Hmm. There must be money in microfiber cloths. Could you stitch them together and create yourself a a suit? And that would that would clean itself. Oh, uh, it'd feel glorious to oh, wear. Wouldn't be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, like the finest um, silk, like the man in the white suit. Mm. The film. Yeah. The uh, anyway, film. that was just a thought. Yes. Have you not noticed that? Have you not noticed everything you buy these days comes from the microphone? No, I haven't. No, Is it just I've, me. I've I might be targeted. But my uh, these are sort of my um, my lights came in these little pouches, and they are a bit felty. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Come with lots of fittings. Anyway, if you've been subjected to uh, microfilm, invasive Micro- microfiber cloth, uh, yeah, do, do get in touch. Yeah, do, in fact, do let us know about anything. Just get us in touch. Are we? Is it worth us carrying on? Um, we did do a. Uh, I saw that we put one of our last tweets that we'd ever done about three years ago was, uh, "Should we not bother with it?" And most people voted for that choice. So uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks everyone. So I'm going as long to keep us amused. So I'm going up to see a friend, my friend Chris. Uh, he's probably my oldest friend. Um, I've known him since I was three or four. And uh, he is a, a man of letters. And uh, and he's been talking to me about a possible graphic novel. Um, 
collaboration. Mm-hmm. He's been talking about writing this book for ever, and he's written lots of. Uh, I'm sure he's written lots of books. No, he has written lots of books about um, Dylan Thomas is his special. Okay. Uh, but um, he's been talking about this book. Um, I can't, I won't really give away the uh, the story, but I've written it. You've probably read my notes there, but it's about, I don't know what he was. He was a doctor in the early um, part of the 20th century. And he became obsessed with Francis Bacon and Shakespeare. And he invented something called the cipher wheel. Have you heard of that, Rob? No. The cipher wheel processed all of Shakespeare's works and decoded it into a message from Francis Bacon, whom he was convinced had written all of Shakespeare's work. Um, when, when was this doctor around? Beginning of, so I think he died in 1924 or something like that. Okay. And he came yeah. over to uh, England, to actually to Wales, um, and uh, did some digging uh, in Chepstow, Um under in some ca- to find some caves where he thought that Francis Bacon had buried the original manuscripts to all the Shakespeare plays, wow. and possibly also Shakespeare's head, um, because he thought that he murdered Shakespeare um, to take oh. over his identity, and that he was also Francis Bacon. This is was the son of Queen Elizabeth the first. <sighs> anyway, that's, I mean that's a good basis for a graphic novel. That's that's not even the story. So this guy, this doctor, um, he he invented and he he was convinced that flies or uh, bees or anything like that they didn't use their wings for flight. They merely used vibration for flight. That that the movement of the wings made no difference to being able to fly or not. So he then went to he tried to build an airship that flew by vibration. And it's wow. this that is the kernel of the story that we're writing about, where he actually... Is, is this, does this end with him inventing a sex toy? <laughs> and they all went to bed together. <laughs> no, he uh, he leaves uh, Earth on this airship, and that's why we never hear, hear from him again. That, I love it. That sounds great. Uh, love it. So are you writing it together? Yeah, he sent me some, like, some ideas and uh, I'm going up there tomorrow and we're going to sit and uh, have a, uh, st- get the first ideas of this, of this story together. I've probably well, given yeah. away all of his secrets there, um, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't given the name, but um, yeah, if you want to read about um, him, there's, you can find an article online, which is called just hunt for it. Shakespeare, bacon and anti-gravity. Love it. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the, a great dissertation title there, isn't it? Yeah. Best to just, you know, stay stay off planet Earth at the moment. Yeah, yeah, isn't it just? <laughs> my, I'm going to go to my website of the week. This is a company that I've been working with. They're called Zabarona. They're an independent media company uh, based in Kiev in Ukraine. And I would like to wish them all well. And uh, if people can help, then they can go to their site, which is Zabarona, Z-A-B-O-R-O-N-A, Dot com, and if you go forward slash en, you'll get the English site. They are independent media. They are young and they are in danger and they need help. So, please go to that site. Cool. Uh, I will skip my uh, website of the week because I've already mentioned it. It was the uh, Disasters Emergency Committee Fund for Ukraine. So, if you search Disasters Emergency Committee, there you go. Yeah. To the pies. Uh, to, to the, the pie pies. machine, man. Hang on. Look. Look at that. Oh, that's a homity pie. It's a homity pie, John. There's a new Batman film. Why? Yeah. Why? 
<laughs> is it just yeah. is it the definitive? Is it because it's got the definitive is the the Batman the, the, film? The, yeah. Uh I don't know, but it looks quite good. I like okay. the Batmobile in it. It looks cool. Like a big muscle car. Oh. Um anyway, what have you got? If you haven't got bat pie, have you? No. I could uh, go next door and get one. Standard uh, uh standard, standard pork standard pork co-op crispy crispy bake pork pie. Um, with seasoned, cured British pork with a hot water crust pastry. Go on, and you Going have in. a mouthful while I uh, explain what my pie is. Uh, I've got a homity pie, which, if you don't know, is potato, cheese, leeks, and onion. And it's by the Wessex Pantry in Devon. Although I didn't go to Devon for it, I bought it from my local butcher. So it doesn't have a pastry top, it's a cheese top. Um, and I don't really like cheese and onion, so this could be a disaster. How's your pie, John? Um, it's quite oniony. Mm. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's very oniony. It's very peppery. Bit of jelly. It's okay. It's one you just plop in the old gob hole and shove down. Mm. I gotta say, this is good. It's better than I expected. Nice pastry on the outside. Very cheesy, melty top, and then kind of leeks and. Potato and onion and cheese all in a like a little kind of white white sauce. Just nice. It's like a I mean it doesn't taste dissimilar to something like a uh like a chicken and leek pie. It's got that kind of texture about it just without the chicken. But mm-hmm. it's good. I uh, I like a homity pie. Who knew? What are you gonna give it? That's gonna get a uh, seven point two, John. Seven point two. Just jotting that down. Um, mine's going to get six. Six. That's not bad for a yeah. bog standard off the shelf pork pie. We've done a homity pie before. Um, Have and we? I gave it gave it seven. Yeah, in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, good lord. Mm-hmm. Also, one here. I got a Zanzibar bean and coconut pie from Co-op. Zanzibar bean uh, sounds like a character from a fighting fantasy novel, doesn't he? It does. Does a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how what, how did the Zanzibar bean score? I'm thinking low. That's a six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a vegetable curry in a pie, mushy, too much turmeric, heaty kick. I like that. Well, nothing else to say. Uh, yeah. We're kind of done here. Sorry if it's been a bit madcap. We, uh, yeah, we're trying to keep to a two-week schedule. Well, we try, are we going to go to a week schedule, Rob, or is that just we'll asking too much? We'll yeah. see. I think a week keeps it fresh, but mm. yeah. So we may be back next week. We'll right. let you know yeah. if we if we can be bothered. If you, if anybody replies to us ever, if anyone can. In fact, we will come back unless people ask us to, <laughs> or ask us not to. What? <laughs> right. That just means you have to get this edited before we record the next one. I know. Okay. Right. So if you want us to come back, let us know. And I'd like to say my the footnotes on this show are pie alarm back barking dogs. Excellent. So that's going to be what's that going to be? Beep bat barking dogs beep pie beep. Excellent. My mum listens right. to this show, so make that show right. that beeps working. John, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for your time. And uh, I'll talk oh, to you look, soon. Just in time, it's your mum calling to complain. See you later.